This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the Business of Government Hour, a conversation about management with a government executive who is changing the way government does business. The Business of Government Hour is produced by the IBM Center for the Business of Government, which was created in 1998 to encourage discussion and research into new approaches to improving government effectiveness. You can find out more about the center by visiting us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. And now, the Business of Government Hour. Welcome to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host and managing editor of the Business of Government magazine. The 2008 financial crisis was a wake-up call for investors, politicians, the public, and regulators. For the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, the global financial crisis also exposed the agency's technological shortcomings at a time when advanced technology was needed to uncover risks and monitor daily activity in the markets. Since that time, the SEC has made modernizing its technology infrastructure and operations a strategic priority. It has sought to enhance its technological capabilities and transform key service delivery platforms and business applications. Success meeting the demands of this priority rests with the SEC's Office of Information Technology, which drives the technology strategy that supports the SEC's mission. What is the SEC's IT strategy? How is the SEC modernizing its electronic data gathering, analysis, and retrieval system, EDGAR? And what is it doing to expand its data analytic capability to better meet its mission? We'll explore these questions and so much more with our very special guest, Pam Dyson, Chief Information Officer at the Security and Exchange Commission. Also joining our conversation from IBM is Dennis Kayser. Pam, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Well, thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Great. Dennis, welcome. Good morning. All right. So, um, uh, Pam, could you start off uh, giving us a, uh, a brief overview of the history and mission of the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC? Okay. So, the mission of the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission is actually threefold. You know, our first objective is to protect uh, the invest- investors uh, of the country. Our second uh, mission is to maintain fair and orderly and efficient markets. We do that through uh, rulemaking and enforcing uh, uh, securities laws, and then also to facilitate capital formation. So it's a big job. It's a big mission that the SEC has. Um, the SEC uh, works to protect and advocate for over 100 million uh, individual investors. We oversee more than 3,500 registered entities, including publicly traded companies, as well as national security exchanges, investment advisors, uh, broker-dealers, hedge funds, uh, rating agencies, mutual funds, and clearinghouses. So that's a huge mission and huge job that the SEC is mandated to to fill. Yeah, and so uh, given your role, I'd like to get a sense of the scale of operation of the commission. Could you tell us how it's organized? Uh, you kind of alluded to it a little bit in the threefold mission. Uh, what's the size of the budget? 
number of FTEs, full-time equivalents, and your geographical fo- footprint. Is it just in D.C. or is it or are there satellites? No. So the SEC um, has a number of major divisions, um, but we're comprised of about 4,000 employees. We are based in headquarters in north, northeast Washington, D.C., but we have 11 regional offices across the country as well. Pam, now that you've uh, provided us a sense of your larger organization, I'd like to get into some specifics uh, about your area and your role. So if you could tell us, what are the specific responsibilities of the chief information officer? And how have you organized uh, your organization to support the overall mission? So, of course, I, as CEO, am responsible for all facets of information technology for the Security Exchange Commission to include the security as well as development of solutions, solutions delivery, as well as infrastructure management and service offerings. So, you know, as you know, technology is a critical component of the SEC or any organization meeting mission, uh, for that matter, these days. Um, As a CIO, I partner with the SEC's offices and divisions to ensure that we have proper alignment of the information technology with the strategic um, objectives of the agency. So, Pam, given your role, responsibilities, your portfolio as CIO, Mm -hmm. what are some of the top, say, three challenges that you've faced in your current position, and how have you sought to address those challenges? So the three biggest challenges I see um, is the unprecedented amount of data Mm -hmm. that the agency is now required to intake in order to meet mission. For example, MIDAS is a system that we stood up that uh, MIDAS is our um, our market uh, intelligence system. We bought in three billion records on a daily basis of data. That's high frequency trade data. We um, also uh, uh, have a demand for mobile access. So we have a number of examiners in the field. We have enforcement uh, personnel in the field. And so we have to be able to deliver these technology tools to a mobile workforce as well. And quite honestly, I think keeping the IT skill set up to date and current based on where technology is going is another one of the top challenges that we have. You know, we are a federal agency, so, you know, and able to have the salaries that are required to bring in the talent that we need in order to meet some of this mission is also a challenge for us. So, Pam, along with the challenges that you've encountered, uh, what you do seems to be, uh, you know, that there can be uh, unanticipated surprises, things that you didn't expect. So to that end, what has surprised you the most during your tenure uh, at the SEC? So, again, I would go back to the proliferation of data Mm -hmm. and the need for big data, the need to be able to build the analytical platforms and tools necessary to analyze, to mine, to to model that data in order to uh, make sure that we're keeping pace with the complexity of the market and the things that are happening in the market space. So I would, again, I would go back to the proliferation of big data and how the agency can take advantage of ingesting and taking that volume of data. So before I get into your leadership style and your leadership principles, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Mm -hmm. Uh, How did you get to your current role? So um, I've been in uh, information technology for most of my professional career. I got into information technology as a lower level at a lower level so I was a land administrator and so I worked uh, for actually the International Trade Commission for about 23 
years of my government career, and in that I was have probably sat in every progressive role in IT from land administrator. I went on to manage the network and then the Office of Information Technology and later I was the deputy CIO, which is where I transferred to the SEC. I actually came in as the assistant director to run operations for the SEC and later became the deputy chief information officer and now the chief information officer. So, so through, that, um, through that journey, mm-hmm. uh, could you tell us a little bit about your leadership style sort of your leadership principles, perhaps, maybe what what makes an effective leader? So I think my leadership style and the characteristics that I have brought to this job and throughout my career has been a common thread. And one is my passion around the transformational impact of information technology. So I'm really passionate about information technology because it really does impact every segment of life. So, you know, I'm doing it from a government perspective, but information technology has really transformed the way we do everything in terms of day-to-day business as we go on as individuals. The other thing is I think I'm a very results-driven person, right? So uh, strategy is great. Uh, You know, some strategy is aspirational, but I like to build strategies that we can deliver on. I'm very results-driven from that nature. And I think the third piece is I'm very Mm people-oriented. So, you know, not only do I love my work, I love engaging with people. I love to make sure that other people are realizing, you know, the benefits of their career and making sure that they're having the same type of uh, satisfaction or gratification in the work that they're doing as well. A part of that is making sure that they understand how they play into the mission, Mm -hmm. you know, and having those conversations and making the people strategy, the human capital strategy, a part of the overall IT goals. What is the SEC's technology strategy? We will ask its chief information officer, Pam Dyson, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. This is The Center This Week, highlighting the latest trends and best practices for improving government effectiveness. Brought to you by the IBM Center for the Business of Government. I'm Michael Keegan, Managing Editor of the Business of Government magazine. The Center This Week is our opportunity to inform and, most importantly, to invite you, our listeners, to use the IBM Center for the Business of Government as your resource, a how-to resource for improving government effectiveness at the state, local, and federal level. Information technology, IT, has made possible the availability of real-time data and the tools to display that data, such as dashboards, scorecards, and heat maps. Due to advances in computing and communication technology, the costs associated with creating real-time data on a variety of objects, agents, and events have fallen drastically, prompting the rise of an ever-evolving concept known as big data. CIOs now seek the most cost-effective, innovative ways to deploy big data, given limited funding. This has boosted the use of data and evidence by government decision-makers in meeting their agency and program missions. But what about the use of performance metrics by chief information officers themselves? Professor Kevin D'Souza has tackled the issues facing today's federal CIO. Big data and measuring IT efforts in two distinct IBM Center reports. Realizing the promise of big data, implementing big data projects, and his most recent IBM Center report, Creating a Balanced Portfolio of Information Technology Metrics. Kevin joins us today via Skype. Kevin, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'd like to talk about your most recent report for the IBM Center, Creating a Balanced Portfolio 
of information technology metrics. So uh, if we can, what would you assess the state of the use of IT metrics in the public sector? Well, I, uh, I think I always recognize the value of metrics and are doing their hardest to embed, embed metrics into their uh, organizations. Uh, right now, I would have to say that most of the IT metrics or, or most of the robust metric management uh, efforts are on the technical uh, aspects of IT. So when you think about things like the uptime of your servers, the amount of hacks, the amount of intrusions, your data recovery rates, uh, everything on the technical aspect, I think CIOs have great, great metrics. Where CIOs don't have as good of metrics as they need to is on uh, people and the innovation aspects. And so how are you measuring the competence of your IT personnel and, and how are you you measuring the contribution of IT towards the innovation agenda of your agency. Those are the metrics where CIOs have to invest more time and effort. Yeah, so what tools uh, and techniques are available uh, to develop a balanced portfolio of measures on IT performance? So I think uh, there are um, a range of metrics, and in the report, uh, we uh, we detail quite a few of them in the area of project management, operations management, and innovation. And so the real question for CIOs is one, which collection of those metrics makes the most logical sense given your agency? And then how do you go about designing data collection techniques to be able to capture the various inputs into those indicators. And so uh, in terms of what the metrics need to be, the report has a pretty exhaustive list in each of the categories. And so the CIOs really have to choose. And then once they choose, uh, there are very standardized approaches to collect data on those metrics. Mm -hmm. So Kevin, would you highlight the IT-specific performance management and metrics programs in the Obama administration that the Obama administration has been pursuing? Perhaps you can present a uh, summary of the work to date on developing IT metrics for the federal government. Um, so there have been quite a few. And, and so one of the very nice things that we have seen over the last few years is a series of efforts that have all tried to get more transparency and accountability when it comes to IT resources and IT expenditures and, and outflows. And so if you go back to about 2009, you had efforts on the way to create an, an IT dashboard. Uh, this was hollowed up, I think, in 2012 uh, when a tool called portfolio stack was introduced um, 
And then as recent as uh, this year, you have had the Office of Management and Budgets work with key leaders across 24 departments to, again, build uh, build the next iteration of a metrics program. And one of the key aspects of this is going to be on IT that looks at acquisitions, IT man management, and uh, IT human capital. And so we have seen a series of these. Uh, each of these efforts, uh, there has been learning associated with them. Uh, and I think the new uh, regulations associated, associated with HITARA uh, are only going to strengthen the lessons learned from these all the experiments into measuring IT. More information on this and other center resources is available at businessofgovernment.org. There you will find how the business of government is not business as usual. For the IBM Center for the Business of Government, I'm Michael Keegan, and this has been The Center This Week. The latest edition of the Business of Government magazine delves into a diverse set of topics and public management issues facing us today. Hi, I'm Michael Keegan, the editor of the Business of Government magazine, and with each edition I present the leadership stories of a select group of public servants and complement their frontline experience with practical insights from thought leaders, merging real-world experience with practical scholarship. Check out the latest edition of the Business of Government magazine and find out. Download or order a free copy at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Pam Dyson, Chief Information Officer at the Security and Exchange Commission. Also joining us from IBM is Dennis Kayser. So, uh, Pam, uh, the SEC views information, data, and technology as strategic assets that play a critical role in meeting the mission of the commission. Um, To that end, would you give us or sort of briefly outline your key IT strategic goals for us and priorities? Sure. So... Right now, again, a lot of our strategy is around building enterprise platforms to support our data work and our analytical work. So we recently stood up a data management group, and that group is tasked with driving our cloud strategy and our migration strategy for select functions to the cloud. One of the strategic priorities for IT is to securely leverage the cloud. Um, As you know, as we talk about these huge data sets and more demand for data, more demand for for processing and storing, you know, we can't build local infrastructure fast enough to meet the demand. So, you know, we're looking to leverage um, cloud technologies uh, so that that because we believe that will faster facilitate the innovation that we want to do in terms of our, our analytics program and our market surveillance programs based on bringing this data in. Uh, giving us more of ability to detect, to detect potential fraud and other security violations. So, so a big part of our strategy going forward is leveraging cloud technology. So, uh, as a follow-up, what are some of the key internal and external drivers and trends that have shaped and informed your IT strategy? So, the biggest driver again is the never-ending growth in data. So, you know, that is really driving the strategy going forward. You know, I came in about five years ago to the SEC. We had antiquated and antiquated infrastructure. So we spent a lot of time modernizing the infrastructure, bringing it up to um, standards so that we could build these enterprise platforms so that we could leverage data. 
I think we've positioned ourselves over the last couple of years to do just that. So the large data sets that are coming in now are continuing to grow. Um, we're, be- we're beginning to stand up our enterprise uh, data warehouse, um, some of our enterprise platforms, so that we can leverage the data. So the drivers really are the amount of data that's now being generated and our ability to ingest that data and be able to um, facilitate analytics work, modeling work, and again, market surveillance so that, you know, again, we can do a more robust um, review of the, of the registrants and the work that they're doing. Pam, a bit ago, you mentioned uh, about cloud being an integral part of your strategy. Um, And like a lot of federal organizations, there are a lot of applications in that environment. Can you tell us uh, what applications uh, you've moved to the cloud already? So we're kind of in our infancy in terms of moving to the cloud. So a couple of things we have done, though, as we talk about our high-frequency trade uh, space, we, uh, we, I talked about Midas, where we're ingesting daily trade cycles on a daily basis. That information is available. We've also moved SEC.gov uh, to the cloud. Uh, SEC.gov is our portal. It's our Edgar filing um, front end. So a lot of our filing information is now available to be searched. The public data is available to be searched in the cloud. And then we've done some internal, so our internal service solution for incident management and so forth, we've moved that to the cloud. We've also moved our asset tracking, not assets in the form of financial assets, assets in the form of our agency equipment. Uh, We've moved those things to the cloud. But we're taking a very pragmatic approach in terms of what we move to the cloud. So, you know, security is still a concern for us. So we're being very deliberate about how we craft our infrastructures and how we build the cloud so that we ensure once we make that leap to the cloud that we're not only, one, matching the performance of our local infrastructure, but we're also as secure as we are with our local infrastructure. So, Pam, you say that's in the infancy, but it sounds like you've made some good progress there. Um, So with that... Can you tell us a little bit about, as you're migrating these, what are some of the challenges that you've had to address uh, along the way? So, again, a lot of it has been the cultural change, right? So making the case to the business while the performance, security, and the day-to-day, the interactions between how they do their jobs today, um, how that will be transparent to them, how, actually how they can reap benefits of doing it in the cloud. So I think some of it is just a cultural change in the way that, you know, people feel more secure when their work, their data is within the four-wall confines um, of the building. So some of it's been a cultural change. The other thing is um, analytics is a big requirement for us going forward. There's not a lot of precedents out there for running the types of analytics that we want to run in the cloud. So that has been a challenge for us to make sure that the tool set that we're using to do this work will perform effectively in the cloud. And then, of course, the security piece is also something that we continue to look at. So FedRAMP, we are looking at that. That's a big benefit to us um, because, of course, if we can go with FedRAMP certified vendors, you know, that alleviates some of the, the security assessment and security work that we need to do. But, of course, security, again, is still a challenge for us. We're not quite there. While there's been great strides made, we're not quite there in terms of being totally comfortable with moving all of our operations and our more critical and sensitive operations to the cloud. 
You've mentioned security a, a couple of times now. To what extent, in your experience, uh, are you finding that uh, the security concerns are perception or reality? I think it's a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just again, the overall feel that if it's not within the confines of our four walls, that it's not as secure. I think we're able to debunk that and present a, a strong business case that it is. I think in some ways, our biggest challenge around security is more about third party um, tools and third party services that are in the cloud that we have lesser of a control over. So we have to make sure that we are putting continuous monitoring in place and we're building the security tools to ensure that that security is taken care of. Because again, some of the services that we procure, we have less control over um, the configurations of those tools. And so again, where they're fed ramp certified, we have less of a, of a concern, but it still puts the onus on us. It's our information to make sure that we are standing up uh, continuous monitoring tools and processes to ensure that our data is secure. So, Pam, how are you using new technologies to identify analytic insights from unstructured and semi-structured data like Edgar? And how has this ability changed the way you're executing SEC's mission? So, of course, again, we're this is kind of a new foray into um, our processes and the way that we change work. So, you know, we have a very competitive process. We do market research. We leverage consulting firms. Uh, we work with agencies or organizations that do the same type of work that we do uh, to to try to figure out what that tool set is that's the most effective for them. So some of the insights that we use really, for example, we talk to FINRA a lot. Um, you know, they're on the private sector of the house that, that do a lot of the same type of work that we're doing. We talk to other government or fire agencies that have a similar mission in terms of what we need to do and the tools that they're using. But, but again, we do a lot of our own market research. We do a lot of prototyping. And then within our divisions, a lot of our divisions have shadow IT. And so, you know, there's a lot of resources there that we can leverage in terms of knowing the business and the tools of their business. Uh, We partner with those shadow IT organizations and business to make sure that we're as current as they are on what tools and what advances in technologies that are furthering their functions. So, so Pam, I want to go back uh, and, and touch on an application and a modernization effort that you had talked about. Mm-hmm. It's the SEC's Electronic Data Gathering Analysis and Retrieval, mm-hmm. uh, long name for Edgar. Edgar. Right. Uh, can you tell us in that modernization what benefits you realize? And, and I'm interested to know if uh, you're going to continue using XBRL uh, as a standard. Yeah, so the the Edgar development uh, efforts that were taken, um, so we have a a redesign, Edgar, a huge redesign on how we're going to transform Edgar down the road. We're still kind of in the BPR, business process reengineering process, and requirements gathered with that. But we continue to modernize the existing Edgar system. So, you know, we do that on an incremental basis. Uh, Some of the things that we've done recently is we continue to, we've done a Java upgrade, so we continue to improve the system security around Edgar. We've also done uh, a lot of work to enhance usability and 508 accessibility, and we will. So the plan going forward, uh, at least in the near term, is we will continue to embrace the XBRL standard, and I would say that 
you know, for the foreseeable future, we'll stick with that standard. That's something that's working well for us. Um, one of the things that we've done recently um, is we've approved the timeliness of the annual XBRL taxonomy updates. So we usually do that in the summertime frame. We move that up a couple of um, months. And then we also were actively working on the capability for Edgar to accept inline. XBRL. So that's a project that's been underway for a while. So we will continue to embrace that technology. And that's in our modernization plans as we move forward. So what's the purpose and uh, and benefit uh, of establishing the SEC's enterprise data warehouse? And uh, more particularly, how is the architecture supporting core functions, analytics, and, and helping the public gain uh, easier access to usable market data? So the Enterprise uh, Data Warehouse has been a a long undertaking. (laughs) So we stood up the Enterprise Data Warehouse in 2014. And at the time, the goal was to allow data sharing across offices, and that being our major platform for big data analytics. So um, a couple of things that the EDW does. One is it combines different sources of data, including information from the following. So we have Edgar data, we have human capital data, we have exam data. So we have a number of data sets within the the EDW. What that allows us to do is run analytics across data sets, and it allows us to search across data sets. So we've, we've seen real benefits and efficiencies from establishing the data warehouse and being able to run those unified tools, those, those federated tools across the, the warehouse. As we sit today, the EDW is about 40% full. We probably could fill it up completely, but we're being very um, deliberate about the data sets that we're putting into the EDW because we want to make sure that we can leverage the data sets we have in there from an enterprise perspective. The other thing is the way we see the EDW is that's kind of been the dress rehearsal for what we want to do in the cloud. The way we see it is the EDW is kind of a bridge to our cloud strategy going forward. Not that we will abandon our local presence with our data stores because there will always be a need to store some SEC, what I call SEC proprietary data locally, but we do see that as a bridge for the strategy that we want to move forward with in terms of building out a lot of this work that is particularly the analytical work in the cloud. So can you discuss SEC's uh, progress on modernizing its IT infrastructure And I'm really focused here on the virtualization and data center consolidation efforts. So, you know, as I I mentioned before, about five years ago, we came in, we had huge data centers, we had outdated infrastructure. Uh, One of the things that we did, um, and it started with my predecessor, is we embarked on this a huge modernization effort. It took us about three years to go through that transformation. But as we sit today, we are 95% virtualized in both data centers. So we've consolidated our data centers. Uh, the footprint went from about 28,000 square feet down to three or four thousand feet um, in our data centers. We're also leveraging modular technologies in one of our data centers. So we're seeing huge cost savings and environmental and power consumption benefits from that. And of course, with our data centers as well, the virtualization is really in the way that we're spinning up servers there within our data centers is also kind of a prelude to what we want to do in the cloud. So even with a virtualized and consolidated footprint, though, Uh, The one thing that we don't have is the scalability. It still takes us quite a bit of time to scale up servers and services within our data centers. So we will augment what we've done with our virtualization efforts with buying more compute and storage in the cloud. What is the SEC doing to expand its data analytics capability to better meet its mission? 
we will ask its Chief Information Officer, Pam Dyson, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. Why is federal acquisition so complex? What is category management? How is the federal government driving innovation and acquisition? What is being done to strengthen government-industry relationships? Join host Michael J. Keegan as he explores these questions and more with Ann Rung, Administrator, Office of Federal Procurement Policy, Office of Management and Budget. Tune in on Mondays at 11 a.m. for the Business of Government Hour on Federal News Radio 1500 a.m. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Pam Dyson, Chief Information Officer at the Security and Exchange Commission. Also joining us from IBM is Dennis Kayser. Pam, would you tell us more about your efforts to expand the use of data analytics tools capable of enabling robust risk analysis? Sure, absolutely. So so I would like, I'd circle back to Midas. So Midas is our market information data ana- uh, analytics system. And with our modest system today, which, by the way, is in the cloud, um, we collect one billion records a day. And these are from proprietary feeds of each of the 13 national equity exchanges. That data is time-stamped to the millisecond. So we're collecting that volume of data in Midas. Uh, Midas also allows us to readily perform uh, analysis of thousands of stocks over a period of six months or even a year, including analysis over 100 billion records at a time. So in addition to collecting these tools, we're running very robust analytics tools to mine that data so that we can better uh, have insights into the functions of the markets and what the markets are doing with the data. So SEC has released uh, hundreds of MIDA data sets to the public as well. So it's not just for our internal purposes. The public can also have access to these data sets, and they can run uh, analytics on the data as well. Uh, Data from the Market Structure website is downloaded more than 12,000 times a month. So this is a new offering that we have. We use it to run analytics, but we also make it available to the public. Um, Another good example is our NEAT program. So that's our national exam analytic tool. And this is a tool, this is a tool that a lot of the quantitative analysis group and the examiners use in our our office of inspections and examinations. So we're leveraging that technology. It's all built on analytic capabilities through our risk analysis examination group. And we use a specialized skill set to run these tools, again, on large volumes of data so that we can detect any anomalies in the exam program, which we then could kick over to enforcement. So a, a, a variety of that. But, you know, we, we use a lot of the normal tools that, you know, we use the SASs and the MicroStrategies and the Palantirs. But, you know, there's a huge push to build an analytical platform. We are doing that right now with our um, Netiza and some of the tools that we're running over our enterprise data warehouse. So, you know, we haven't landed on a standard tool set, so, you know, we're across the board in the tools that we use. 
But we do have robust analytical programs that we're using to mine all the data that we have. So, Pam, from a technology perspective, how is the SEC responding to uh, the emergence of algorithmic trading and its impact on the markets? So from a technology perspective, algorithmic trading is one of the several trends that's impacting the markets that's driven us to this whole big data and data analytics strategy. So, for example, um, the Office of um, Compliance and Inspections has a quantitative analytics uh, unit. And so that group analyzes large volumes of this data uh, uh, from the registrants and the trade data that they do, and they've developed tools. So they actually build models to run against that data so, you know, so that we can analyze what's going on in that trade space. We can pick up, you know, insider trading and some of the things that's going there. Over the past, I would say, three to five years, um, we have hired probably scores of quants they're now in several of the major divisions in OIT, and they particularly focus on, you know, this type of trading um, and being able to analyze these big data sets that the registrants are cranking out. So, so there's a lot going on related to analytics, but virtually all of your business processes within the commission, right, involve the acquisition, creation, review, and editing of actual documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us more about the effort to enhance workflow and document management systems across the enterprise? And, and, and what has that done to improve, you know, the overall workflow within the SEC? So the commission has used for quite some time uh, a SharePoint platform. That's our primary collaboration. So I take that question in two pieces. One, what we're doing for collaboration and what we're doing for document management. So from a collaboration standpoint, uh, we've leveraged SharePoint uh, for a long time. Uh, we're actually migrating to uh, to 2013, which is allowing a lot of our users to um, to develop uh, document workspaces to collaborate with documents. Um, it allows uh, the sharing of portals back and forth throughout the agency. So there's a lot of collaboration there. From a document management standpoint, the, one of the biggest needs for all the divisions, one of the biggest asks is for an enterprise-level document management system that you know, incorporates not only document versioning control, but also records management and retention and so forth. So we've just recently started to develop requirements. We put together an integrated project team. That team is working to develop enterprise-level requirements to, p- to build a document management system. So each of the divisions will have, sometimes it's just simply leveraging our share drives, you know, within our data center stores. But um, a lot of the divisions have built, you know, homegrown systems for document management. We're looking to build an enterprise system that we can leverage across the organization. But that is just underway. We've just stood up an integrated project team to help us do that work. Also earlier, you had mentioned work that you'd done related to SEC.gov. Mm-hmm. So how, how have those efforts simplified, you know, the financial reporting processes, the filer burden, um, and making your widely used website uh, more informative, user-friendly, and secure? So likewise, we had a modernization effort with SEC.gov as well. Uh, that was an outdated system. I think the system that we modernized, started to modernize three years ago, was built in Perl. So that tells you how old uh, that system was. Um so the SEC today, again, is the front end for all of our followers. So, you know, Edgar filings and all are accomplished on in SEC.gov. 
So SEC.gov um, takes in an unprecedented amount of data that's avail- available online for the investors. Um, and there's, that's free access for the taxpayers. So uh, more than 21, there's more than 21 million company filings over a period of time that's available through SEC.gov. Um, in 2015, SEC.gov received more than 6.8 billion page views, which is a 43% increase over 2014. So as this modernization effort develops, we are seeing far more utility from the public, from academia, from, you know, the outside entities of SEC.gov. Users in those spaces downloaded more than 1,500 terabytes of data in 2015. Um, And then by modernizing the site and leveraging the cloud, we're also seeing better performance. So now pages are now displayed three times faster than they were before. So that's been a huge success for us, SEC.gov. We are continuing to modernize that system. We're starting to build back-end content management with our filing systems so that they are automatically triaged to the right areas of the organization. Um, But SEC.gov has been a very successful modernization effort for us and there will be more to come with that. We have moved that system, and we are moving it to the cloud. So, again, that will also allow us to scale bandwidth and scale um, you know, performance. So as there's peak demands and peak filing periods, we'll be able to also um, expand in the cloud to make sure we don't lose performance on our websites. So, Pam, how are you harnessing uh, social media, and is social media part of your big data strategy? Yeah. So uh, social media media better be a part of everybody's data, everybody's strategy. Right. So the SEC. So we're we're currently harnessing social media primarily to reach targeted groups of individuals. So our retail investors are principal, you know, among them. So we're beginning to explore and expect to examine uh, data from social media as inputs to some of our. Um, so we we want to be able to pull in feeds from social media into some of our analytics. We also are looking at building into um, SEC.gov more mobile apps, mobile devices that can be used through social media and, of course, smart technology like tablets and smartphones. So so we are targeting. We're, we're focused on that. Um, but again, it's twofold. One is we want to be able to support a more mobile environment and a social media environment, but also we want to be able to pull data in from those um, from those channels as well as a part of our analytics program. I'd like to pick up on that part of mo- mobility, your mobility strategy. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little, is there anything more you'd like to, to elaborate on in that regard? So, you know, so mobility, twofold. One, from our customer base, again, we want to provide more tools uh, that investors can use and to leverage SEC and the SEC.gov website as a whole. For our internal staff, We've also stood up recently an enterprise uh, mobile management system, which allows our remote access workers, our teleworkers, as well as our examiners in the field, our enforcement officials in the field, to leverage resources back through headquarters. So that, that's a huge um, development for us. We're also looking at building more mobile devices for our more custom-built applications so that you know users can access resources from their smartphones as well as from tablets and so forth. So, again, you know, we have a very um, a very significant remote access component to the SEC um, from a business perspective, 
Um, folks are in the field doing examinations, they're doing investigations, but we also have a, a very robust telework program. And so we're positioning ourselves to be able to support the SEC workforce no matter where they are, anytime, 24 hours a day, and pretty much on whatever device they're using to do their work. Pam, I'd like to shift gears a little bit. Um, you know, given the evolving nature of cyber threats and the adversary's constant targeting of government networks, would you elaborate on your efforts to enhance the IT security uh, across the SEC? Like me, with most all CIOs, they will tell you one of their biggest challenges is information security and cybersecurity. And in today's environment, the threat landscape and security breaches are far more sophisticated and wide-reaching than we've seen in the past. So many of the compromises we've seen are involved, as I said, with the cloud, third-party or service provider systems that are used by other agencies or by vendors that have direct um, information resources that may provide intelligence into our systems. So that's a major concern for us. So one of our biggest challenges is associated with conducting monitoring and insurance activities for third parties and hosted systems. We do a lot of that, again, through our security assessments. But again, you know, we have little control into those systems. So, you know, we've worked to address these threats with developing a a continuous monitoring strategy. Um, And that is consistent with NIST's uh, cybersecurity framework and a lot of the uh, OMB and other federal mandates. Um, So we're structuring our program to maximize the value of security assessments um, and and design an architecture that captures the linkages between the vulnerabilities that we may see in our assessment and how they tie to our overall risk posture. So we're moving to a more risk-based management of security um, as we go forward. So, you know, we're leveraging our enterprise risk and compliance management capabilities, and we're building a portfolio of tools that will allow us to be in a continuous monitoring state um, so that, and not only in a continuous monitoring state, but also in our security programs, we're also doing analytics. So we're pulling data from all of these sources and running um, analysis on that, which helps us drive our risk posture. And so this is a little bit away from where we used we were very focused in information uh, uh, security years ago around, you know, um, certification and accreditation and building all of that paperwork. We've moved to more of a risk-based and continuous monitoring posture going forward. So uh, would you tell us more about your efforts to establish a business process improvement center of excellence? Um, how has it improved the ability of the agency to share innovation? So we have, we do have a uh, business process engineering center of excellence, and what that has allowed us to do is to look across the organization at work processes and workflows and see how we can build efficiencies and synergies around that. So that has allowed us to, one, it has a- allowed us to develop the requirements for our enterprise solutions and our enterprise platforms. Because again, it all comes down to being able to to share data, to not have siloed systems, to leverage the more enterprise capabilities of search and analytics and analytics tools. One of the things that we found is not only were a lot of our processes very manual, mm-hmm. we had a lot of duplication. Um, of data, a lot of duplication of systems, a lot of siloed systems that are closed to other 
areas of the organization, and we didn't get the benefit of being able to share and leverage those out. Our um, BPI Center of Excellence have allowed us to look broadly across the organization and where there are like workflows and like functions, we've been able to build systems and processes around building those efficiencies and cost savings. So that is something that is still underway. We will continue to to drive on that. Um, But we've seen lots of cost savings and benefits in efficiency and time based on some of the work that we've done with our BPI efforts. How has the role of the CIO evolved within federal agencies? We will get one perspective from Pam Dyson, Chief Information Officer at the Securities and Exchange Commission, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. From forging a unity of effort in homeland security, to strategizing today how to feel the U.S. Army of tomorrow, to pursuing affordable housing, eliminating fraud, waste, and abuse in healthcare, and securing cyberspace. The latest edition of the Business of Government magazine delves into a diverse set of topics and public management issues facing us today. Hi, I'm Michael Keegan, the editor of the Business of Government magazine. And with each edition, I present the leadership stories of a select group of public servants and complement their frontline experience with practical insights from thought leaders, merging real-world experience with practical scholarship. The purpose is not to offer a definitive solution to many of the management challenges facing government executives, but to provide a resource from which to draw practical, actionable recommendations on how best to confront these issues. Check out the latest edition of the Business of Government magazine and find out. We bring you insights and interviews from government executives who are changing the way government does business. Download or order a free copy at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Pam Dyson, Chief Information Officer at the Security and Exchange Commission. Also joining us from IBM is Dennis Kayser. So uh, you've made comments a couple of times about the uh, the great strides being made in information sharing, but there's more work to be done. And I was wondering, what is being done to work with the community, the SEC community, the broader community, to develop and use information sharing standards? Governance. (laughs) So, I mean, the big thing there really is around governance um, at all levels, Uh, certainly at the executive levels. um, One of the things that we want to make sure that we're doing is with our data feeds, with the way that we intake data, with all of our processes, we want to make sure that, again, there's not a lot of duplication, but it's also access is granted where it's needed. Um, We have the proper access controls in place and so forth to do that. So for the broader community, the key component of that is oversight and governance. And so we're standing up strong enterprise architecture, strong um, enterprise governance around our data platforms to ensure, one, that we are sharing out and collaborating as a group, but we're also providing access control and data security around the platforms that we are now um, deploying. So the Federal Information Technology Acquisition Act, uh, or FATARA, as it's commonly known, was signed into law in December 2014. Mm -hmm. As part of Treasury, Mm -hmm. the Treasury Department, Mm -hmm. what are you doing to implement the provisions of FATARA? Or what's the status? What's going on? Yeah. So we're reviewing it like a lot of government agencies are. I mean, some of the highlights on there, it gives a lot of responsibility and oversight to uh, the CIO, chief information officer in agencies. So as the chief information officer, 
again, I sit on most of the governance boards that would um, direct investments, make decisions and prioritize investments, um, acquisitions of IT solutions. So that's already baked into some of our capital control processes. And so we are reviewing it beyond that. If there's anything that we're not doing already to, you know, to implement uh, FATAR, we're looking at that. But as the CIO at the SEC, I'm already really plugged into all that decision-making from the governance boards that we have stood up already. So, so again, we can continue to review that. But I think the SEC has done a good job of, of making the CIO a partner in these in this decision-making process in the first place. So so we're pretty solid on that, um, on that front. So, Pam, I want to build on that, that partnership comment. Given the critical role information technology plays in the mission and the program delivery, how has the role of the CIO evolved into that of a trusted advisor? And what are the characteristics of a successful CIO in that? With the speed in which the industry is now innovating, right? So, you know, even at the SEC, you know, the IT budgets with some of our registrants really dwarfs. Um, the entire budget of the SEC. So with the speed that uh, the industry um, is innovating and developing sophisticated tools, all major government agencies realize that in order to close that gap, you have to do it through technology. And as the chief information officer, I cannot go out and build an IT strategy in isolation. That has to be done with the business. And so... The business, uh, so the, the chief information officer is a partner at the SEC with the business organizations. And again, I talked a little bit of before about the shadow IT organizations. We have built a unit within the Office of Information Technology that focuses specifically on solutions delivery. And that group works with the divisions to align their IT strategy with ours. Um, in addition to that, at the executive level, I align with my counterparts in the business to make sure that what we're doing from an IT front furthers the strategy and mission of the agency and that we're able to enable them to meet their missions through technology. That's a partnership. And so, um, so that's an important thing that we do that's very strong um, at the SEC. But there, in order to close the gap to meet mission, it has to be done through IT. I can't imagine that any major entity, whether federal or private sector, does not make the CIO a partner in business these days because IT is just so critical to meeting mission. I have a follow-up question. I wanted to pose it to you because earlier on, to pick up on, to piggyback on Dennis's question, but you said earlier on that IT or information technology or technology in general is so transformative mm-hmm. that a lot of the work that you're doing can't be done without it. Right. So has it gone beyond the mission support purview and now it's really core mission effort? I mean, it's, it's absolutely core mission effort. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I had the pleasure of briefing the Hill with my counterparts in enforcement and OC, um, the exam unit, um, and then DEER, you know, our economic uh, analysis group. Um, and they all pointed to technology and these analytical tools, the, being able to, again, analyze, mine, model the data that's coming in to further their work. It is IT is core to the mission of every major division at the SEC. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's beyond transformational. It is a core component. So, P- Pam, turning towards the future, uh, what do you want to accomplish or achieve 
say, within the immediate future? So, you know, my goal is to continue to lead the SEC through this digital transformation that's happening not just with us, but across government and across the private sectors. In the government specifically, that transformation has to take place to close the technology gap so that we can even have a chance to keep in pace with industry. So I am working to develop a strategy and a roadmap to help lead us through this transformation, and I certainly want to stick around to see that that, that part of it through. So um, so that that's the biggest thing, is leading us through the transformation. We started out a couple of years ago, let's just work smarter. Let's be more efficient. Let's leverage common uh, data sets, let's com- uh, common practices and workflows. We're sort of beyond that now. So we're, we're really trying to transition ourselves, not just to position us for the cr- cloud, but how are we going to deal with uh, this whole digital transformation around big data, open data, how we're going to secure that, um, how we're going to have those interactions. There's a different skill set, you know, brokering uh, or, or setting up uh, functionality or provisioning in the cloud is much different than we do from a local, local infrastructure. So, again, a part of that is also building the human capital component of this transformation as well. So that's what I see my role being, you know, in the, in the future um, is helping to usher the SEC through this, this transformation process. Are there, just picking up on your last point, the human capital point, mm-hmm. are you doing anything specific in that area? So, uh, yeah. Okay. So we, we're reorganizing. So specifically, we've stood up in OIT um, a business management unit. Okay. And so we have people both with data scientists, data analysts, um, cloud. We, we're, we're looking to pick up, uh, you know, folks who are smart with cloud architecture and things like that. So that's a new organization for us because this whole data transformation is so huge for us. So that's one of the things that we're doing. We're also, we have lots of consultants come in. You know, we're looking at um, leveraging some of the expertise um, from from the private sector that's already made strides in this area to come in and help us bridge that gap. So a part of it is organizational. Uh, a lot of it will be through development, and some of it will be through attrition. I mean, you know, as people attrit out of the organization, then we will be looking to bring this new skill set in. That's a nice transition to my next question, mm-hmm. which is an advice question. What advice would you give someone who is thinking about a career in public service. (laughs) So, you know, my advice would be to do it, quite honestly. And I think you do it for yourself as well as you do it for your country. Because public service is not only rewarding, but what you do actually makes a difference in the lives of everyday Americans every day. And so, you know, that's really gratifying. But beyond that, I think I have worked with some of the most talented and bright and dedicated people in this country. Um, So, you know, I have worked uh, more than 25 years in the federal government, and I don't regret a day of it. It's hard work. I mean, it really is. It's hard work. But when you look at, you know, it's easy to get behind the mission of an organization like the SEC, that you're protecting college funds for students and and retirement plans and so forth for the American public. Um, So my advice would be to do it. I I think you owe it to yourself, and certainly you owe it to the country. And, you know, the gratification you get from that, you can't put a dollar value on that. Well, Pam, thanks for coming in today, taking the time out of your busy schedule. But more importantly, Dennis and I would like to thank you for your dedicated service to the country. Thank you. It's an honor to be here today to talk to you. This has been the Business of Government Hour a conversation with Pam Dyson, Chief Information Officer 
at the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC. My co-host today from IBM has been Dennis Kayser. Be sure to join us next week for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on improving government effectiveness. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Business of Government Hour. Be sure to visit us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. There you can learn more about our programs and get a transcript of today's conversation. Until next week, it's businessofgovernment.org. Why is federal acquisition so complex? What is category management? How is the federal government driving innovation and acquisition? What is being done to strengthen government-industry relationships? Join host Michael J. Keegan as he explores these questions and more with Ann Rung, Administrator, Office of Federal Procurement Policy, Office of Management and Budget. Tune in on Mondays at 11 a.m. for the Business of Government Hour on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m.